Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Nordic. I'm gonna ready to see you guys on tech. I am Eagle Falcon. This is the bonus episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech, now available to our friends across the pond. Spreaker finally allowed people across the pond to go ahead and subscribe. And if you are new and you are across the pond, I would just like to say welcome and thank you so much for subscribing. And before anyone else, at, well, I mean, no one else is going to ask because no one else can hear this. I have no idea why the heck they insist on only one kind of payment processor for it. It absolutely baffles me. Almost as much as Battlefield 2042 now being one of the most poorly reviewed games ever on Steam. According to GamesRadar, Battlefield's nearly 30,000, actually not nearly, over 30,000 mostly negative Steam reviews have made the shooter pick up the dubious honor of becoming one of Steam's most poorly reviewed games of all time. Apparently, the game has had a very very poor launch. In fact, that seems to be a trend as of late. We've been seeing this more and more and more lately. Games that are hotly anticipated, trying to push limits of what's possible, and QA just causes the whole thing to just slip through the cracks. Can you think of a game recently that hasn't had a major problem like this? Now, granted, part of that could also just be the concept of when things go smoothly, no one notices. I admit that is a strong possibility. But part of me also is... I'll just say concerned. Concerned is a healthy way to look at it. Concerned about the fact that one of my own favorite games currently, Final Fantasy XIV, is going to be experience is going to be having one of its most hotly anticipated launches in a long time. The Endwalker expansion, its early access launches this upcoming Friday. And I'm not going to lie. I'm concerned. I'm worried. And maybe my concerns are invalid. Maybe everything will be a-okay. But at this time and point, you know, I got to look at the fact that, you know, they already delayed a bunch of the features and whatnot. They already had massive delays in their own schedule because of the virus TM. In fact, I actually haven't made, I, I make it a habit during the weekends. I try to stay out of normal mainstream news as much as possible over the weekend. Like basically Friday is when I turn off my brain from local and national news. I might go ahead and take another look through my various outlets 
for tech news to go and touch up any stories that I did prep for on Friday. And that's pretty much it. I try to stay unplugged from the news as a whole. But I can't help but notice on my Twitter, everyone talk about the Omicron variant of the virus, TM. So I can't wait for that to also play a role in the fact that the world is just having a metric. We're having the hardest time, really. I don't mean to like venture off on, off of the tech news station like I accuse The Verge of doing, but I can't help but wonder if we start shutting down again to questionable results of saving people or not, depending on how spreadable the Omicron virus is. Because the thing is that if the virus is easily spreadable, no amount of lockdowns is going to help. None, zip, zero, nada. That, mount, that might sound terrible to hear, but all it's going to do is just ruin livelihoods and the virus is going to still spread pretty much exactly the same because we still have to make contact to just get basics like food. Again, we'll have to see, and I also admit, I have been very, very much unplugged from it, but man, the things I've been seeing on my Twitter feeds, it raises concern. But right now, that's just it, just concern. But these same sort of concerns go to these game developments lately. Games being delayed, games being launched incomplete, which is the case with Battlefield 2042, or actually more likely in the case of Battlefield 2042, the QA just didn't happen. Based on the stories I'm hearing about Battlefield 2042, I am thoroughly convinced no one did any quality assurance testing of Battlefield 2042, which is a shame. It really is. Because it could have been something good. And unfortunately, it's just going to now have the stain of being a bad game. And let me tell you something. That is a stain that takes a long, long time to wash off. How long did it take No Man's Sky to, to wash that off? In a lot of people's mind, it never washed off. Heck, back to the Final Fantasy XIV analogy. Final Fantasy XIV right now is an amazing game. Guess what? I ignored it for the first, what? Six years of its life? Seven? Eight? Just because it had a catastrophic launch. And of course, when even the fans start saying, oh, it's okay, it's fixed now, it's all right, it's all right. You can't help but remember that, hey, that game, Battlefield 30, or I'm sorry, 2042, it was the most negatively viewed game on Steam ever. Or in the case of Final Fantasy 14, 
it was the game that was so bad, Square Enix had to come out and apologize for it being so bad. I guess in the end, we'll just have to wait and see if Battlefield can recover from it. Battlefield, however, did put out a statement. Battlefield Direct Communications said, we are pleased to see that the release of yesterday's update has helped improve the smoothest of the experience on servers for these past and my message just vanished. Improve the smoothest of the experience on the servers these past 24 hours. Here's some insight on the upcoming changes that we're looking to make with our next expansion, with our next update. And clicking on the link gives me a picture of what appears to be the logo for a headlight in a speech bubble. Well, okay then. I'm glad we had this talk. So, for the most part, I just gotta say, um, good luck to the fans of Battlefield. You can't just, ju you know what, here, you know what the worst part is? I want you to name right now some realistic first-person shooters. For the most part, it's Battlefield and Call of Duty. And it is extremely hard right now to recommend Call of Duty. Beyond that, I mean, what else is there? CSGO? I mean, I guess, but not really up to date, but still a classic. But only time will tell what we can do. Shifting gears to a different section of the gaming market, the AMD RX 6000 pricing is going up by 10% at the base level. So apparently there's some rumors going around that the actual base price, and I want to stress this is the base price, because right now, just any kind of pricing for GPUs, ooh, GPUs are more expensive. No, really. Next, you're going to tell me that the sun will rise at some point. I mean, it's almost just stating the obvious how ridiculous it's getting. But pretty much, there has been a pretty static trend of all the 6000 series just being overall going up in price. And it's no real surprise. With the shortage of everything that's going on in pretty much all markets, the price of everything is going up, which then means the price of everything that goes into anything also goes up, which means the cost of manufacturing goes up. 
inevitably the price of labor will eventually go up because the price of everything else is going up and you're going to have to increase your labor costs just by the fact of the cost of living is going up. This is the problem when the supply chain breaks down. Supply goes down, the price goes up. And the unfortunate thing is, while the supply of silicon chips is down, leading to the price of everything in the GPU going up, it's been hitting the electronics uh, market the most, don't misunderstand me, but it affects pretty much all entries, all parts of it. And it is, well, concerning. And to kind of even just compare, you look at the the price of the GPUs versus its availability. And AMD kind of unfortunately was the cheaper alternative to NVIDIA at first. But since about July, going into August, it flipped and the price of AMD GPUs are increasing higher than the NVIDIA ones. It's no longer becoming a case of which GPU do you want because of its feature set. It's now just a matter of which GPU can you freaking find and not be ripped off on. I remind you again, these are the retail prices. These are the base prices of these GPUs. This is before the GPUs are then bought up by someone other than a consumer and are scalped and are resold on another market. I want to say things are better. But by comparison, the lowest they've been was July and August. NVIDIA GPUs were down to only 150% of MSRP. And AMD GPUs were as low as 153% of MSRP. Now... The price of NVIDIA GPUs are 195% of MSRP. AMD GPUs are 190% higher than MSRP in the retail market. What's causing it? 
Well, the first thing that's causing it, of course, is just the whole concept of, you know, supply and demand. Supply is low, and thus the price goes up. But to make matters even worse, you take a look at the price of Ethereum. You take a look at the price of I am actually trying. I used to have a thing that would just go ahead and just tell me what the markets are doing right now. Right now, bit right now, Ethereum has been trending actually really erratically, but it is heading up. Bitcoin is also trending up. Actually, no, Bitcoin is trending down. Wow, Bitcoin's being weird. The concern, though, is, well, even though other governments are starting to try and crack down on this sort of cryptocurrency exchange, trying to crack down on crypto mining in general, the unfortunate thing is that the price keeps going up. I don't know what to tell you. I really don't. The only thing I can do is just, you know, maybe, maybe we'll just get lucky down the road. Maybe this, the, these foundries will go up and we'll finally be able to catch up. But again, I look at the threat of these coronavirus variants and our past history of just throwing caution to the wind and I see a lot of shutdowns. I, sh I see a lot of not a whole lot of benefit to them unless these are a lot less spreadable than previous variants. But if we do go into a shutdown sort of situation again, it means the supply issue is going to get way, way way worse and I don't think anyone's ready for that it is actually something that is legitimately concerning but maybe I'm wrong I hope I'm wrong I really really do because this is just becoming Crazy. Proton is now officially a vi uh, I'm sorry. Proton now officially supports NVIDIA DLSS. 
what is DLSS? So, Nvi so NVIDIA DLSS is called Deep Learn is an acronym for Deep Learning Super Sampling. It is the ability for NVIDIA GPUs to render an image at a lower resolution and then use its AI cores to upscale it. This means it can offload some of the work that a GPU would do to play a game onto its AI cores and produce a better quality picture with higher frame rates. Proton is a gaming light. Uh, I'm, I know the Linux people are gonna get on my case because I'm gonna describe this poorly, but basically it is a platform within versions of Linux that allows a lot of games, including Windows games, to be played on Linux. Proton specifically was a layer created by Valve. However, this feature will not be coming to the Stream Deck. The Steam Deck that Valve is now delaying is not gonna is, is not gonna have DLSS. Why? Come on, you know why. There's an AMD GPU inside it. They're not gonna go ahead and have NVIDIA's deep learning super sampling in it because there's an AMD GPU in it. But they can hook one up externally. Yeah, you can, and also why? I'll just tell you this right now. If you hook up a higher end GPU to your Steam Deck, you're gonna run to a massive bottleneck. And that bottleneck's just gonna pretty much be your um your CPU. It might be good in there, but it's not, you know, it's not a desktop grade CPU. Speaking of realistic limitations, Intel's flagship, the Arc Alchemist GPU. Its first leak benchmarks are not good. In fact, it's showing performance closer to some of the mid-level to entry-level GPUs you can't get your hands on. Something closer to an RX 6600 XT or an RTX 3060. Now here's the thing. This is one leaked benchmark. One leaked benchmark does not tell a story. One, one officially released benchmark doesn't tell a story. But let's be perfectly honest for a second. Would you really be surprised at all if this GPU that Intel releases ends up being a bit of a letdown. No. You really wouldn't. I would dare argue it is to be expected. But when push comes to shove in this market right now, there is only one spec that matters. 
There's only one. Actually, I take that back. There's two. The first spec that matters. How many are in stock? The second benchmark that matters. How much does it cost? What is its performance per dollar? The sad truth of the matter is this is what we deal with now. Availability matters far, far more than what its performance is. Because what is the point of having a high-end GPU. What's the point of yearning for one? What is the point of trying to add one to your wish list if it doesn't exist? The worst part is this is going to be the legacy of the RX 6000 series. The RX 6000 series should have been AMD's comeback into the gaming market. And it'll forever be known as the GPU that no one could get their hands on. The RTX 3000 series was supposed to be the real first attempt at getting mainstream real-time ray tracing in the hands of just about everyone. And now it's in the hands of no one because the GPUs don't exist. The Intel Arc Alchemist GPU is Intel's first attempt in a long, long time to actually provide high-performance graphics to the masses. Will that be its story? Or will the story be that all Intel launched were pieces of paper that no one received? We're going to take a break here and we come back. I have more news for you. I have a new bumper to show and, of course, some highlights, some specs, and um, those are the wrong words. A little bit of a look behind the curtain to see how things are doing. And, of course, a lot more stories. I have a lot more. We need to start cranking through these, actually. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. With Final Fantasy XIV entering Endwalker, which is having some very heavy Final Fantasy IV vibes, I felt that a remix of the final battle within the game would be a good addition to the bumper rotation. And thus, we have this beautiful remix. Gigabyte is now releasing a DRM fix tool for Alder Lake CPUs. So part of the problem with Alder Lake, the 11th or what is it 11th or 12th gen? It doesn't matter. You know the ones I'm talking about, the ones that you can't use certain DRM because of the CPU. Well, apparently Gigabyte has a tool that will pretty much just fix the way the DRM operates. 
Remember how before I said that, you know, this is most likely to be a problem that ends up fixing itself? Surprise. Granted, we actually, it actually took longer than I expected. Because I'm telling you, every single time we've had one of these issues, every single time there's been a giant scare about, oh, DRM's the devil and it's going to go ahead and now this new update's going to brick all the DRM and you're not going to be able to use your games. Well, I'm not a fan of DRM. Let's be perfectly honest. Nine times out of ten, these kind of stories are scare tactics. And that's not helping the case at all. And granted, this time around, it looked like it was going to be a big issue, but lo and behold, the fixes are starting to come out. Whee! TSMC is going to have Apple's first three nanometer policy, and it leads to AMD and Qualcomm kind of pitching a fit. So TSMC's three nanometer process is going to apparently be exclusive to Apple first. And AMD and Qualcomm are not thrilled by the fact that now Apple is injecting its anti-competitiveness into the supply chain for their own silicon who's surprised by this yeah none of us none of us are surprised i'm shocked but not surprised in the least i mean who would have thought apple would just go ahead and Trying to make sure that all the good stuff was only for them. Meanwhile, AT&T and Verizon have agreed for new precautions to address 5G air safety concerns. In a news title that you would have expected came straight out of the tinfoil hat crowd, Apparently, there have been some concerns about 5G wireless signals having interference with certain aviation equipment. The Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA, and the aviation industry have raised concerns about the potential interference caused by 5G development with sensitive aircraft electronics like radio altimeters, Altim altimeters. I'm not sure how it's actually pronounced. I'm assuming the device that is used by airplanes to measure its own altitude based on the spelling of the word. AT&T and Verizon said they have committed they have committed for six months to take, quote, additional steps towards minimizing energy coming from 5G base stations, both nationwide and even to a greater degree around public airports and heliports. And said that should address all and, and said that should address Altimer's concerns. 
someone's gonna go ahead and just email me why I'm pronouncing it incorrectly. I could already see it coming. So, I'm right now just skimming through to see how much of this is backtracking and or how much is this just repeating stuff. The FFA, the FFA said Wednesday it would review the telecom's proposal, calling it an calling it an important and encouraging step. The FFA, the FAA believes that aviation and 5G C-band wireless service can safely coexist. This is going to be a very fascinating one to kind of measure out because here's the you want to know why there's so many 5g conspiracy conspiracy theorists and this is actually something i talk about a ton when it comes to aiming your arguments correctly there have been concerns early on and as far as i'm aware either have been addressed or were just deemed non-issues that were brought up for things like aviation equipment. And actually early on, it was Doppler radar that was suspected to have interference with millimeter wave. Doppler radar, for those who don't know, that is a weather prediction device that measures basically rain systems and storm systems. Here in the Midwest, Doppler radar is used to detect tornadoes before they, for before they form and touch down to go ahead and issue watches and so that we can go ahead, if a tornado were to come and touch down and cause massive damage and kill people, we can seek shelter first. Granted, here in the Midwest, it's nowhere near as bad as other states like Kansas and the other states of Tornado Valley that I can't think of at 12 a.m. at night while I'm recording this. But, you know, to go ahead and say that, you know, what were some of the craziest ones? Oh, yeah, f probably my personal, personal favorite 5G is causing the virus. There's there's no Coronas. It's, it's all the 5G towers. They're going to kill people based on what the radio waves of 5g interfering with a radar system does make sense the radio waves of 5g interfering with the radio waves emitted by an airplane for detecting altitude that makes sense How do, how do radio waves cause respiratory infection make a, a spit of sense? That has always been one thing that, that blows me away. But, you know, if you want to go ahead and say, hey, you have concerns about 5G, be informed and actually use real arguments. Like, I don't need to go ahead and, when ripping on Bobby Kotick, go ahead and use some stuff that's dubious. I can just use facts and make my argument as to why he should be fired now rather than go to stuff that hasn't been proven yet.
So we'll see how this develops down the road. Google Message is going to be updating it. Uh, Google Messages updates, update, translates iMessage responses for Android users. Wow. Why was that sentence so hard to say so late at night? So basically, here's how it goes. If you've ever used an Android phone and tried to talk to someone using iMessage, you end up with some wonkiness. My personal favorite usually is that message blockchains end up coming in in reverse. Some other times blockchains are just message blockchains is what I mean, not actual like crypto blockchain. You know what I mean? Sometimes those messages just get cut off. And of course, these are just the ones I've observed. I'm sure many, many others have observed many, many different ones. And of course, I also say this as someone who, oddly enough, I don't text all that often. Just because, and this is usually the, um, this is the truck driver in me. If there really is something I need to talk to someone about, I call them. Just saying. So we'll go ahead and see how that update works down the road. Meanwhile, in other things that are going to be coming out in the Google world, the Google Pixel 6a is revealing that it could have a hole punch camera, a six like rear camera design, and no headphone jack. Wah, wah. Honestly, I'd love to see some more of the specs. Because the thing that makes the six so unique is the fact that first off, the cameras are supposed to have very, very, very good color accuracy. But then there's also that tensor chip and that chip's supposed to be rock solid. So what's the 6A gonna have? Is it gonna have a chopped down tensor chip? Is it gonna have a Qualcomm chip? What is gonna be in it? So far all we, all we think we know is just the exterior design. But who knows at this point if that's even accurate. Speaking of other things that we don't know if it's accurate, Apple is going to have an AR headset coming next year with Mac level power. An AR headset that's going to be running on an M1 chip. All right, dingus. Let's let's be real for a second. Do you really think for a second you're going to tolerate augmented reality headwear that's going to be big enough to support an M1 chip and the cooling for it? Yeah, no, I don't think you are. 
the thing is with AR versus VR, augmented reality, which means that you still see everything around you, but virtual elements are layered on top of that. Augmented reality is really supposed to be just like a set of glasses. We've seen like the hollow lens sort of things that Microsoft showed off. Those aren't a bulky headset at all because they attach to another device. But let's be honest here for a second. You could absolutely see Apple's AR headset connecting via a Bluetooth-like wireless connection to an iPhone Pro that is running an M1. Yeah, you can see it happening too, can't you? I think that would be far more interesting and I think that would sell far, far more and without a doubt would be a more Apple-like experience. Because of course, at, unlike Blizzard, Apple can say, do you guys not have phones? Blizzard has a harder time doing that. Meanwhile, on the Android side, the Fairphone beats the entire Android ecosystem with six years of support. The Fairphone, for those who don't know, is a Android OEM phone that is relatively cheap, but is specifically built to be taken apart and repaired. And I, for one, actually do welcome it. It's also supposed to be relative. I think it's like, what, a three or $400 phone? You know what, actually, now I'm, now I'm less certain about its cost. Actually, I think there was something about it. Either it was just really underpowered or it was really expensive for what it was. The Fairphone uses a Snapdragon 801 SoC. By comparison, the 888 is currently the highest end Snapdragon right now. So while I do like the idea of six years of software support on the Fairphone, I'll be perfectly honest, I see it getting two years of support and then you aren't going to want to use the phone anymore. It's a good gesture by Fairphone. I welcome it. But I feel as though if you're going to go ahead and provide that much support for a phone, you really do need to make it more expensive and get a much better CPU and amount of RAM in there. I mean, be honest. What would you rather have? A $200 phone that just barely works right now or a seven or $800 phone that has six years of support and has the hardware to probably still be fast in six years. Yeah. That is something to consider.
Meanwhile, NVIDIA, NVIDIA's next AI can turn words into photorealistic images. We go from budget phones to just simply NVIDIA AI just making images out of nothing, out of thin air. It's a really cool technology. It is very, very fascinating, but... Wow, we are getting dangerously close to just the Matrix being real. Like, holy cow. How much longer and how, how many NVIDIA GPUs do I need to string together to create the Matrix? And then once I do that, what do I do with the people that I trap in the Matrix? These are the real questions that we really don't want to ask. Meanwhile, over in Walmart, Walmart is beginning to test drones to do to set up drone delivery hubs in Arkansas, which my tired brain almost pronounced as Arkansas. So Walmart is partnering up with a company called Drone Up. And the concept, and this is basically just a testing grounds to see if Walmart, from their retail stores, can go ahead and successfully deliver packages from the retail outlets, which is, I mean, let's be honest, the future of Walmart is that these, that their retail markets are just gonna be distribution centers that people can enter. That's what it's going to eventually become. And I know some people might be, I don't know what people are going to think about that. And we'll say this much for all the people that wanted Walmart to fail and hoped for, you know, an improvement in Walmart. Amazon is not much better. And to see this kind of change happening, I don't know what to think of it. I really don't. I think it's a cool idea. I want to see how it's going to go down. But in the end, only time can tell how it's going to go. Meanwhile, we have the Renault and Theron's nail un un unveil. Oh God, this uh, this translation. We have Renault that is showing off a, what they're calling the iconic Renault 4. At least I think that's what it's called. Again, my translation here is pretty bad, but it is basically a quadcopter car. A quadcopter car that you can just go ahead just pop in and just fly off 
The future is now. The future is horrifying. What's going to matter more, and it's quite possibly that it is this and it just doesn't show it. What's going to matter on these is that they have to be self-driving. That's the only way that we are ever going to see these. And let's also be perfectly honest. We are years, probably even decades away from seeing these in a consumer level use right now. So fascinating story from the future. Hopefully it goes somewhere. All right. So bit of an update behind the scenes here at Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am actually still really happy with the way that our podcast with Twitch streamer Seven Sins went. I am, I am still just... That was easily probably one of the better, the best ways it could have gone, in my personal opinion. I kind of wish he was a bit more active, but I mean, it was also, you know, late. He's been going through a lot, so I mean... You know, it, everything can't be perfect is what I'm getting at, but it still got pretty dang close. There is some talks that um, we might have other guests on, but there's also a talk of starting another podcast specifically in relation to an event that Seven does. We're going to see how that goes right now. Um real life is kind of getting in the way of it right now. So I don't want to talk too much about it, but it is something that's just kind of on, on the horizon. In the meantime, we are seeing a bit of growth right now. And I actually am really, really happy to say that. No, really, because no matter how you look at it, I've said this time and time again, when talking about other companies, if you aren't growing, you're shrinking. There is unfortunately no other way to look at it. And fortunately, what I am seeing a lot of right now is I am seeing large surges of new people visiting, which is good. I do want to hear more and more and more of people joining in. In fact, actually just this last week, all of a sudden, for whatever reason, we had a huge surge of listeners on the 27th for the early bird briefing on Apple Podcasts, which... Super, super stoked for that. Eagle Eyes on Tech, we're getting a little bit of growth. Nothing surgy like with the early bird briefing. And I got a feeling what happened there is that it popped up once. A lot of people, it popped up once on like a recommended feed sort of thing. A bunch of people download it. And only time will tell how many people actually stuck around after downloading the podcast once. 
And I would say, oh, it was just one episode that did really well. Not really. Because when I look at the number of plays, number one is basically there's like a number of plays that got a bunch of plays or a number of episodes that got a bunch of plays. So in the end, all I can do is just wait and see how things go. For now, I got a lot more work to do for the stream. I've got a lot of alerts and whatnot to transfer over to a new platform. And I got to go ahead and pick the remaining six bumper music themes for this podcast, Eagle Eyes on Tech. So I thank you for listening. Thank you so much for subscribing. And thank you for listening to my admittedly fairly tired ramblings because this weekend's been busy. Very, very busy. And I'm just glad you found time in your schedule to both support what I do here and to just enjoy listening to my take on these unique stories. Again, check out the main podcast, Eagle Eyes on Tech. Two-hour show every week, ad-supported. And this is just the supplement, as well as the early bird briefing daily. Four-minute episodes covering each story as fresh as possible. And of course, check out my Twitch page, where we have just a ton of fun there, and I take all kinds of questions. Twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon. Take care, and I hope you have a great day.